So if you've got your Bibles, turn to the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1. Let's start about verse 9. It said, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up in a cloud and received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. That's where we'll stop reading. If you get a chance, read the rest of the chapter. So if we had a thought, and I hope the Lord will come by and help me, because I'm desperate and helpless without Him. But if we had a thought, it would be, He's coming back. And so we read in Genesis where God looked, and He said, Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Who was He talking to? He's talking to the Savior. He was talking to Jesus. Folks, we didn't mess up and cause Jesus to have to come to this world. We don't deserve that much credit. It was always the plan that Jesus would be a sacrifice for us. When God made us, He knew our nature. He knew that we couldn't be perfect. He knew that we were flesh and He knew that we would have to be redeemed and he wanted us to choose him and his goodness and so we sent a savior for us they, they, and I'm just going to talk for a minute until the Lord comes by if he don't I'll hush and we'll have something else go on or we'll go home But so we read where the Lord gave Moses ten commandments and man could not keep them you say, well, that was 2,000 years ago. We're more knowledgeable now. We know better and this. We still couldn't keep it. We're still just as sinful as the men and women were in Moses' day. That human nature doesn't change. And so we needed a Savior. And so men tried. They brought turtle doves and they brought uh, goats and they brought sheep. And tried that blood to see if that would bring redemption. And it would bring forgiveness if the priest was right with the Lord. And if the priest did and followed the commands that God gave him. And if they brought the very best that they had. And we can read in the New Testament where Jesus grew angry because men were buying their sacrifice. Rather than bringing the best that they had. And he got angry. And he whipped men out of the temple because they weren't bringing their, their best. Now how does that fit in with us in this day and age? Are we bringing our best? Are we doing the very best we can to get to the Lord? And so <clears throat> they had to be a Savior come so that we could be saved from our sins. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You don't have to have been a drunk to die and go to hell. You don't have to have been an adulterer to die and go to hell. <coughs> you don't have to have cheated someone. You don't have to have stabbed someone. You don't have to be a mean person to die and go to hell. But the second you know good from evil, the second that you realize that there is a possibility if you die that you might not go to heaven, the second you realize and your fear takes over your body and your heart about beats out of your chest and you know that if something were to happen to you, hell might be the place that you go and you're afraid of that fire, that very instant you become a sinner in the eyes of the Lord. You become in danger of hell. And the only way of escape, the only way to get out of that place, the only way to, to never darken the door of hell is to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and ask Him to be your Savior. It's a simple thing, 
to be saved. If it wasn't simple, it would have been way over my head. I worked with Bobby this afternoon. We worked on the computer to try to get things rigged and worked out so that we could use it here at the church. And it was way over my head. I never could figure it out. If salvation had been complicated, the Lord would have left me out of it. I would have never been able to understand it. And I still don't understand all, Marty. I still don't know why He would bless me with such a great gift. I don't understand why He would look at a sinner like me, somebody that was worth nothing, and say, I'll save that one. I'll give my lifeblood for that sinner. Let me tell you something. I wasn't special, and I'm still not. And you're not special. But the Lord looks on you just like He did me. And if He'd saved me as a little eight-year-old boy, He's got salvation for you too. Oh, I'll get to it. You just be patient. I won't keep you very long, I'm sure. And so God, for God so loved the world. Do you know this verse? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, that doesn't rule me out, because I was a poor boy, whosoever didn't exclude me. Because I was poor didn't mean I couldn't be saved. God included the poor. I read where John the Baptist sent me in down there to the Lord and they, and they brought him a message and said, Are, are you the one that we should look to or should we look to another? And Jesus said, The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the dead rise again, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. Marty, I'll never have a million dollars in my bank account. I'll never drive a luxury car day in and day out. I'll never have the finest home in Cobb County or Jefferson County. But I'm privileged to be able to hear the gospel. I'm privileged to be able to read the Word of God and to hear it preached in its spirit and its power where it can show me where I am and where I need to be, where it can make me realize how blessed that I am just to be a child of the King. And so God sent His Son for you. God sent Jesus because you needed a way out of hell. He looked down through the ages of time. We used to sing this song. While He was on the cross, I was on His mind. Let me tell you something. You know why He was on the cross? Because of you. Because of me. He knew we needed redemption. He knew we needed salvation. He looked down through time and saw little eight-year-old Mike and saw that he needed a way out of hell. And so he went to Calvary and hung between the heavens and the earth. God sent His Son so that you could be saved so that you wouldn't have to die and go to hell. I don't know why I'm going to preach like this morning, but it's the way it's coming to me. Oh, and so God sent His Son and they mocked Him. He, was just, he is despised and rejected of being His own people. Sent away with Him. Crucified. Wouldn't that hurt you if folks that you went to church with wanted to see harm come your way? Wouldn't it hurt you if people you had known all your life said, do that bad harm. Kill him. Do away with him. And that was Jesus' own people saying, away with him. Crucified. It was the high priest, I guess you'd say, the pastor saying, away with him. And crucified. I'm telling you, not all religion leads to salvation. There are religious folks that know nothing whatsoever about being saved. But as I told you before, being saved is simple. You just got to want it more than anything and ask Jesus and He does the same. By grace, what is grace? The unmerited love and favor of God. By grace, through, has to go through something. Grace alone is not enough. Sinners have grace. You have grace if you're sitting here tonight lost and undone without the Lord. How do I have grace? Because He showed you mercy and gave you another day. Because He showed you mercy 
and allowed you to come and hear an old time preacher tell you that you needed to be saved. That's grace. Everybody has grace, but grace alone is not enough to get you to heaven. By grace through through. Grace has to go through faith. You're saved, and that not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God. I had grace. God had mercy on me and let me hear that I needed salvation. He let an old-fashioned preacher preach with the Spirit and power of God. He let a Sunday school teacher show me kindness and compassion. He let her give me cookies and, and let her read me the Bible and she proved to me that she cared enough to call my name out in prayer. I'm telling you, God gave me abundant, amazing grace. But it was not enough for me to escape hell. It had to come through faith. I had to believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. I bowed Bobby as a little eight-year-old boy and all I knew to do was say, Jesus, please save me. I did not want to go to hell. And if you would admit it, you don't want to go either. Oh, I did not want to burn. I didn't want to be there forever and ever and ever. And so I got down on my knees and I said, Jesus, Please save me. I didn't know what else to say. I wasn't smart enough to have intelligent words. I just spoke from my heart. And that's what you'll have to do too. You'll have to talk to Jesus from your heart. I've heard people say they didn't say a word. That's all right. It's what your, where your heart is that matters. Amen. Amen. I said, Jesus, please save me. Over and over and over. And after about the fourth or fifth time, the fear I had just left. It was gone. I took the grace that God gave me and I believed on Him. I believed He was able to save somebody like me. I believed that He was able, if I trusted in Him, to keep my soul from hell. I was not praying to be saved to have a mansion. I was not praying to be saved to walk down the streets of gold. I was not praying to be saved to have blessings on this side. I was praying because I didn't want to burn in hell. And when Jesus spoke peace to my soul, when I believed and called on His name, He gave me something I can't get rid of. He gave me something I wouldn't trade for all the riches in this world, for all the money all that's in Fort Knox. I wouldn't take a penny of it. I'm satisfied with the salvation that the Lord gave me when He saved this old boy. Amen. So God sent His Son so that you wouldn't have to die lost and go to hell. You don't have to leave this place afraid tonight. You don't have to be laying in your bed and worrying what if I don't wake up? You don't have to have that fear in your heart anymore. Listen, we've all been there. And it's what you do at that time that determines whether or not you're going to die and go to hell. If you'll ask Jesus to save you, you can have the best gift humanity has ever known. I believe you got three girls, if I'm not mistaken. I've got three boys. I've told you, my dad was the only one that worked whenever I was little about these boys' size right here. He was the only one that worked. And he worked at a place that he didn't make a lot of money, so we didn't have a whole lot. He usually drove an old clunker, and he'd have to fix it at least twice a year. We had what we needed when I never went hungry. I had what I needed. I didn't have everything I wanted. And so, when I got, grew up and had a family of my own, I decided I would try my best to give my boys the things that I didn't have whenever I was younger. Oh, but the best gift I've ever got. Listen, your mom and dad, your husband, your wife can spend every penny they've got 
that could never give you something as special as being saved is. Oh, so God sent His Son. And He was mocked. He was spit upon. He was beat on the head with a reed. They pulled His whiskers. They said, if thou be the Christ. Satan told him that, didn't he? He said, why, if you're the Son of God, make these stones that they'd be made into bread. And Jesus had went 40 days without any food. But the Lord said this, oh, listen, if we're not very careful, we'll give in to temptation. If we're not very careful, the first pretty thing that Satan sets in front of us, we'll grab up, and if you even touch it, it's too late. Ask Adam. He touched the fruit, and that was all he had to do. Now, death was brought upon all humanity simply by him touching that forbidden fruit. I'm telling you today, God sent His Son. Let's not waste His gift. Let's make sure everybody we know has it. Let's make sure and share it with the world because time is running out. They, They took His clothes and they cast lots them amongst themselves. They planted a crown of thorns and forced it down on his head till the blood trickled down his forehead. They scourged him. What's that, preacher? I remember a movie that came out whenever I was a teenager years ago. It was, it was a miniseries called Roots. You may have watched it. They would take the slaves when they had done something that brought disapproval and they would tie their hands up over their head and they would take a whip, a big leather rope looking thing and they would rear back with that and they would swing that thing and it would hit those slaves back and it would break the flesh and draw the blood. If you think that's bad, let me tell you what Jesus endured. If you think a whipping with a leather whip is bad, Jesus was scourged. He has had bits of stone, bits, bits, bits of sharp things, things that would tire and pull away the flesh. He took a beating so bad that, it, that you would have had to hid your children's eyes because you wouldn't want them to see such. That's the way that our Savior was treated. I'm here to tell you today. And so they took him down, marched him toward Calvary's hill. And, and, and uh, it, it's the things that he had to endure, they called one Simon and compelled him that he would carry the wooden cross and follow in the steps of Jesus. Oh, but I'm here to tell you today, Simon could not bear the burden that our Savior was bearing. He couldn't pay the sin debt that you and I owed. Jesus, even in the shape that he was in, took my sin all the way to Calvary. He took your sin all the way up. So when you bow, your sin was paid for. Aren't you glad? That God sent His Son so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. <coughs> <coughs> they got to the top of Calvary's Hill. I guess you could say this is the story of Jesus. And they took the wood. They had made him a cross. He laid down and spread his hands out and his feet on that wood. And a Roman soldier took a big, big nail. I, when I look at it, I think of it in terms of maybe the spikes that they use on the railroad. A big nail. And they nailed this hand to the cross and they nailed this hand. Now, you know what happens when you, have you ever been pricked with a nail? I have. 
little blood pours out. Just think about driving one all the way through your hand and the blood running out. That's what Jesus endured for you. Nail this hand, nail this hand, and put a nail through his feet. And then I could just see the soldiers getting together and hoisted that cross up and, and letting it go and it falling down in a hole in the ground. And there was Jesus between the heavens and the earth. And they gave him vinegar to drink. Have you ever tasted vinegar? Why, there's nothing more bitter that you can put in your mouth than vinegar. That's what they gave our Savior to drink. Oh, they put him amongst a rough crowd. Had a thief on the right-hand side and a thief on the left-hand side. Do you like to be amongst mean people? That's the crowd they put Jesus in. And even in his weakened state, even after they had mocked him and pointed the finger, even after after the soldier stood back and crossed their arms and said, let's see if he's a savior or not. He saved himself. Let's see. He, he saved others. Let's see if he can save himself. Oh, after all that Christ endured our savior Jesus, he even saved the thief that said, remember me when thou goest in thy kingdom. And the savior said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Oh, he bowed his head. There was darkness over the earth. Have you ever, ever seen the eclipse? Oh, it's when the moon comes between the sun. And so the sunlight doesn't come down and the earth gets dark because the sun doesn't hit it directly. There was no sun. The earth, the earth had no sun from the sixth hour to the ninth hour. It was darkness. And then Jesus bowed his head and gave up the ghost. What does that mean, preacher? I want to preach it real simple, John, where that everybody can understand it. He died. His heart quit beating. His, his lungs quit filling with air. And they came by at a certain time and they looked at the folks that they had put on the cross. And when they came to Jesus, he was already dead. So they took a big spear and they pierced him in the side and out come blood and water. Oh! And so there was a man, Joseph of Arimathea, that begged his body and Nicodemus took it. They prepared it, put it in a grave. They put it in a tomb and they rolled the stone up at the door and they sealed it and put soldiers there to guard it so that nobody would bother the body of Jesus. Let me tell you something. The stone was rolled away not for his sake. He could have walked through the stone if he wanted to. He could have sent it into heaven and the stone still being there. The stone was rolled away to let us see that our Savior had risen. Oh, yeah, he came back. Mary saw him. The angel said, why seek you to live in among the dead? He's not here for his reason. Come see the place where the Lord lay. He appeared before John, Mark, Luke, the disciples. But Thomas wasn't with them. And just a few days later, they were all gathered together in the inner room with the doors closed. They had to shut the world out. You and I will have to do the same thing if we're going to see him. If we're going to touch him, we'll have to do the same thing. Thomas was in their midst, and he said, Come here, Thomas. Put your finger in my hand. And thrust your hand in my side. And be not faithless. Oh, preacher, I'm so afraid. I don't know what I'm going to do. This virus is driving me crazy. The thought of catching that. Let me tell you something. Be not faithless, but believe. Know that God is still in control. Yeah. Amen. Be not faithless, but believe. Because you have seen, Thomas, you believe. Now you want to get to our part in this story? More blessed is he that having not seen, yet believed. You like the stories that we read about of, of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? You like those? Well, guess what? You're more blessed than they are. Oh! Herod thought, that's the life of that troublemaker. He'll not stir the people up anymore. Caiaphas, the high priest, thought, 
we can get back to business as usual now. There won't be anybody doubting our religion. What they didn't know, and I, I believe it was something like 400 people, if I'm not mistaken, that saw Jesus after he was risen again. Four or five hundred, something like that. What they didn't know, those disciples that loved him severely, and we read where they were heartbroken, don't we? The two men that were walking down the road to Emmaus, I believe it was, he appeared to them, but they didn't know him. He said, what manner of communications is this that you're saying? And one of them said, why, didn't you hear? This man, Jesus, we thought, sure, he'd deliver Israel, and now they've delivered him up and crucified him, and we don't know what to do. When you don't know what to do, there is someone who knows. There's a man who can. There's somebody that can save you if you'll trust in him. And if salvation is so simple, ask is what my Bible says. Ask and you shall receive. What they didn't know, what the king Herod that set and made a mockery of Jesus. You know what he did? They took away his clothes. They put the crown of thorns on his head. They put a purple robe on him. And Herod had his soldiers go before Jesus and kneel down in praise. Mockery. To make a mockery of him. That's a good Bible story, preacher. People are still making a mockery of him today. To make a mockery of him. Herod the king sent his soldiers down to bow in front of him and make fun of him. And he endured all I've preached to you about. What Pilate said in judgment of him. Let me get this. I'll be done here in a minute. Pilate said in judgment of him. You Bible readers have read this. He tried to convince the people to let him go. Tradition was that they would have two prisoners and one would be released and one would be crucified. The other man's name was Barabbas. He was guilty and he knew it. He was in there for sedition, which is stirring up trouble among the people and murder. There was no doubt he was guilty. And the people said, release unto us, Barabbas, away with Jesus, crucify him. The men that judged him, the great men, the kings, what they didn't know after Jesus was resurrected, he led them out as far as Bethany, and then he lifted his hands, and he blessed them. I don't know how he did it, but I know this, everything Jesus puts his hands on is blessed. Wendy sung the song, had the, had the verse about the five loaves and two fishes the little lad brought forth. And one of the disciples said, well, what is this among such a number as, as we've got right here? 5,000 men plus women and children. All it took was Jesus to put his hands on it. You may look at me and say, why, well, you're nothing, and you'd be right. You may look at me and say, why, well, you're ignorant, and you'd be right. You may look at me and say, why, well, you'll never amount to anything in this world, and you'll probably be right. But let me relay this to you. I've had his hands on me. I'm blessed. If you're hurting, if you're afraid, if you're lost and don't know what to do, you know what you need. You need Jesus to put his hands on you. Amen. You need Jesus to lift you up out of the barry clay. You need Jesus 
Oh, John, what if Jesus had not met you in your time of need right here? Aren't you glad he came by and lifted you up? Bobby, aren't you glad when you knelt right here, Jesus came by and lifted you up? If you want it, call on it and you'll be there. What they didn't know is the scripture I read to you. They watched as he ascended up into heaven. The cloud came down and got him. And he ascended up into heaven. And the angels that stood by said, You men of Galilee, why stand you here gazing? This same Jesus you see going away shall return again in like manner. Oh, folks. What Herod didn't know is one day he'll look at you. Eye to eye. What Pilate didn't know, let me get this. I guess I meant to get to, get to it a minute ago and I didn't. Pilate tried to get him off, I guess you'd say. But when he couldn't, he went to pay a, a, a pan of water, I guess you'd say. And he took his hands and he washed it in front of the crowd. As if to say, I'm innocent of the blood of this man. Let me tell you something. You'll have to do something with Jesus. You know what the crowd said that day when they were saying away with him and crucifying? They said, His blood be on us and on our children. You will have to do something with the blood of Jesus. You will either bow and say Jesus save me and his blood will wash your sins away or when he knocks at your heart and you harden it and Satan convinces you to sit still and not make a move and not say a word and sit still until the service is over and then you go back out you will reject his blood one way or the other you will do something with a man called Jesus and so what they didn't know is he's going to come back he's not going to come in a stable as a little baby He's not going to be judged by Herod whenever he condemned all the, all the males to and under to be killed. He's not going to be condemned by Pilate. He's not going to be judged by Herod whenever he stood there and they made mockery of him. But he's coming back as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and all humanity will see Jesus and they will know instantly. I'm here to tell you today, the Bible says the books were opened and the dead were called up. I've often preached about the graveyards looking like a plowed field. My dad used to say that. And we like the thought, don't we, of the saints rising up and us rising to meet them in the iron. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Did you know they're not the only ones coming up? The dead are going to give account of the deeds done in the body. And the only difference between the saints and the dead is the blood of Jesus Christ. Preacher, how can you say that? I've been a member of Dutch Bottoms for 40 years. How can you say that? I've taught Sunday school. I've led singing. I've done this. I've done that. All have seen. We're all sinners. And the only difference is that some of us believe and some didn't. I would like to think, and we need to work, I would like to think that every sinner that's ever crossed my path that I've said something to convince them that they need to be saved. That I've done something that's influenced them in some way that they saw that I had something that was a little better. That I had something that made me a little happier. That I had something that brought me joy that maybe they didn't have. I'd like to think that, but did you know what? Not everybody's going to be saved. The Lord wants us to choose. That's why Joshua said, Choose ye this day whom you will serve. You have to choose salvation. And let me just make, relay this. Are you listening to me? I want you to listen to me if you don't hear anything else. Just because you're in church does not make you saved. Just because mom and dad are good people 
Grandma and Grandpa are good people. That does not make you saved. You're not going to heaven because Grandma and Grandpa are. You're not going to heaven because Mom and Dad are. If you go, it's going to be by the grace, the love and favor of Jesus Christ, through the faith that you have, that you believe that He can save you. It's so simple. I wish if it were within my power, and I've seen preachers claim they can do this and they can do that. There's never been one called or uncalled that can bring salvation. It comes through Jesus and there is no other way uh, that you can get to heaven. Oh, I'm telling you today, I would to God that all would believe and call on His name. He's coming back. He's not coming back for the things of this world. He could have had them whenever he sat on the pinnacle of the temple. He was offering them, wouldn't he? He's not coming back for that. He's coming for you. He's coming for... Who are these? These are they that came up through great trials and tribulations, having their robes washed white in the blood of the Lamb. And they worship him in the temple night and day. That's who he's coming for. Let me just relate it to you this way, and then I'll close in just a second. He's coming after one thing, and it wasn't made of this earth. What did he leave here when Jesus was on the earth? What did he leave here? His blood. The spear went in, and out came forth blood and water for the healing of the nations. His blood dropped down his cheeks, and I'm sure to the ground. Blood poured down his wounds. He left his blood. You know where that blood came from? You know what he's coming back to get? His blood. And if you're covered in it, if your sins have been washed in it, you'll get to go. Your soul will get to go. I gotta preach this. If you want to go to heaven, you have to ask Jesus to save you. It's that simple. You don't have to be good enough because you never will be. I've heard people make mistakes. Well, when I can straighten up, I'll make it right. You never will get straight enough. It won't happen. I like that song, don't you, John? Number 81 in the green book. Just as I am. That's how Jesus wants you right now, just like you are. Just as I am, without one plea, that thy blood was shed for me. Because thou promised, I believe. Oh, he wants you just like you are. You don't have to change for him. If you'll be saved, the change will take place anyway. You won't even have to worry about it. Let me say this. And I don't know why I had to go this way. But let me say this to you. It doesn't matter what Marty thinks. I love Marty. It doesn't matter what he thinks. If Jesus is speaking to me, I need to listen to Jesus. I love faith. But it doesn't matter what faith thinks. If Jesus is speaking to you, you need to listen to Jesus. You may love the people in your family. But if Jesus is speaking to you, you need to listen to Jesus. Well, how do I hear him, preacher? You don't hear him with these. But it's that voice on the inside of you that tells you you need to pray. It tells you if you die like you are, you can burn. It tells you you need to be saved. Oh, folks, his opinion is all that matters. Because one day he's coming back, and you will see him. And the kings that, and the great men that stood in judgment of him, 
while he was here on this earth, you know what they're going to do? They're going to, they'll not be before him strutting their stuff. They'll not, pride won't, won't win them not one thing. They'll run to the rocks and the mountains to hide him, to hide from his face because they can't look up on him. I'm here to tell you today, folks, you need salvation. You need to be saved. Your people need to be saved. Your children need to be saved. Your neighbors need to be saved. Your spouse needs to be saved. Your parents need to be saved. I took a little trip. It's been about a month ago. And so I took the precautions. I did go down to see my, my dad as he's not going to be around that long. But I put the mask on and I kept my distance and tried not to get real close and things like that. I went back to work this week. I got to wear that thing all day long. I've got to take precautions. I got to wash my hands. I got to keep distance. I can't lay my arm up around a kid, around a workmate. I had to take precautions. And I bet you have probably done that too. I'd say you have probably done something of that nature to make sure that the people you love don't come down with this. What precautions have we taken? to make sure our sinners don't wind up in hell. What have you done today? I wore a face mask today. I tried to keep my distance. I washed my hands. I used hand sanitizer. But what have I done today to make sure my loved ones don't go to hell? I just named off four things I did to avoid that virus. Now, how many could I name? Have I talked to my sinner? Have I called their name out to the Lord and said, please come by and send conviction upon their heart? Have I asked him when you do that? Because I believe if we pray for something, Lord, I believe he's going to do it. Have we asked him when he does that, that we could be in the center of his will so that we could help win? Have we asked him to send the power by so that the church could draw, so that the old time conviction could make sinners realize that they need salvation. Because I'm going to tell you something, you just don't happen to get saved. You don't get saved when you want to get saved. You get saved when God gives the invitation. I can open the altar and I can close the altar and I can, I can have the altar open the whole service and it would be irrelevant if God didn't give the invitation. I'm here to tell you today, you get saved when God convicts your heart. You hear the gospel, the seed is planted, and if you'll accept Jesus, it'll break forth new life. <coughs> I remember when I was this young man's age, I remember when I was Jared and Canaan, Israel. I remember when I was their age. Look at me now. Here I am, 40 plus years later. I had three boys of my own, and now they're out of my house and grown. I get to talk to them on the phone every once in a while. My hire that used to be Israel's color, kind of, it's not that color anymore, it's gray. What I've got, and some of it's not there anymore. And I watch my dad, and the more I see him, the more I realize the pattern of my life and see the things in his that are in mine, and I can kind of see where I'm going. And it seems like yesterday, I was these kids' age. Time goes by swiftly. 
you're going to die one day. It's the way of man. You need some Bible? It's appointed unto man once to die, and after death, the judgment. You're going to face death, and then you'll face Jesus. Are you going to face him as his brother or his sister? Are you going to face him knowing that you've met him because you got saved and you know where you're going? Or are you going to face Jesus? He's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Because he is coming back and you will see him. How are you going to be when he comes back? So let me take this time to introduce you to my best friend. He's a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. Now I've had a lot of time to think. My dad and I have always been close. And I can kind of tell what he was thinking and things like that. But if nature takes its course, I won't have that friend here in a little while. But my friend Jesus said he'd never leave me. My friend Jesus, even though I'm in the valley, will be right there. He's a lily of it. My friend Jesus, I've had friends turn their back on me when trouble came my way, but my friend Jesus said he'd never forsake me. He said he would go with me always, even to the end of the world. Now that's scripture. Let me relay this to you. Because I asked Jesus to save me when this world ends and he returns, I'm going farther. I'm going to live with him. He made a place for me. <clears throat> I get to go to the place he made called heaven because I asked Jesus to save me. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? Only Marty can answer that question for Marty. I can't answer it for him. Only Ronnie can answer that question for Ronnie. I can't answer that for him. Only Robert can answer that question for himself. I can't answer that for him. And only you can answer it for yourself. You are going to go somewhere. When you leave this world, they don't just put you in the ground and that's the end of existence. Your soul is going to live. Where are you going to live? Are you going to go to heaven? Have you asked Jesus to go? You ever had somebody just show up to your house? You had no idea they were coming? You don't get to heaven that way. You have to be invited. Are you going to, have you been invited? Has Jesus knocked at your heart? Have you asked him to come in? Because you are going to go somewhere when you die. And you choose. Now you've sat and listened to me for I guess 30, 40 minutes. My advice is ask Jesus to save you. If you were to ask your mama, if you were to ask your friends, they would say ask Jesus to save you. But if you listen, to this. Satan whispers right here. You're not here. And he'll say, You're okay, just sit right still. It'll be alright. He'll have you believe in that stuff, and the next thing you know, you'll be dead. You'll die. And you won't get to go to heaven. You're gonna go to heaven by asking Jesus to save you, or you're gonna go to hell because you sat still, you kept quiet. And you never asked Jesus to come into your heart. Let me tell you something. God does not send people to hell. He doesn't send you there. If you go, you'll go through the pleas of his people. If you go to hell, you'll step over and reject Jesus. If you go to hell, you'll go with him pleading and knocking at your heart to come in. He will never send you that.
If you go, you'll go because you decided not to be saved. It's that simple. You've heard me preach the story of Jesus. You've heard me preach about a baby born in Bethlehem. And if you've been here any length of time, you've seen us do the pageant. Where we tell the story of the birth of Jesus. You've heard me preach about when he was a 12-year-old boy in the temple. You've heard me preach about him preaching, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And tonight you've heard me preach about him hanging on the cross how he was put in a tomb and how on the third and fourth morning he arose again. And then you heard me preach about him coming back. The preacher, that was a good story about Jesus. The story's not over. His story won't end when the earth is over. His story will keep going right down through all eternity. What's your story going to be? Are you going to ask Jesus to save you? Are you satisfied with where you're at? Or are you going to sit still, be quiet, and slip right off into hell? Because Satan would just as soon see you in hell as he would see Axe Mother. He'd just as soon see you in hell as he'd just as soon see the biggest drunk in Cock County. He'd just as soon see you in hell as he would every inmate in Cock County Jail. He don't care. He don't care a thing about you. All he wants is for you to burn. Would you like to be saved? When Jesus comes back, do you want to rise to meet him in the air? Do you want to be his friend? Do you want to go to heaven? The only way to do that is to ask Jesus to save you. He's coming back. Are you going to be ready? 201 in the Red Book. There's a great day coming. A great day coming. There's a great day coming. By and by, when the saints and the sinners shall be parted right and left. Are you ready for that day to come? And then the chorus says, Are you ready? Are you ready? How about you? ready as Jesus is coming school's going to start our kids have been out of school since March and when school starts mom and dad will wake you up they will wash your face may even give you a shower or a bath or you'll take one the night before. You'll put your clothes on. They'll put you in the car. They'll put you on a bus and you'll go to school. You won't lay there. You won't sleep till 10 like you've been doing. You'll get up and get ready. Jesus is coming. Are you going to get ready? Or are you going to stay right where you're at? This is what the Bible says. Be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man, that's Jesus, coming. He's coming back. How are you going to be? Are you going to be a sinner and die and go to hell? Or are you going to rise to meet him in the air and be with him for eternity? He's coming back.